Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, guys? It's your boy here with another birthday special episode. Uh, Last year, we did an episode on wrestling, which is one of my interests. This year, we're going to go to a different interest of mine, and that is horror cinema. We will be looking at 1980s Stanley Kubrick classic, The Shining. I am here, of course, with my co-host, Zach, who surprisingly suggested this episode to me. Uh, I went along with it because I do love scary movies. Uh, and then we are also joined by Sarah, who I have never known to be a scary movie person. Nope. Um, so we're going to see how this goes. Um, so let's get, let's just talk about our horror, our history with horror films. Uh, me is the easiest. I'll start because I have a long history with horror films. It is my favorite genre of movie. Even though I don't feel like it produces the same level of quality in movies, uh, I find horror movies tend to be not as good. It's still, it's still my favorite. I have plenty of horror movie tattoos. I have an Exorcist tattoo on my arm. Uh, also, my entire back is covered with horror movie characters, including the twins from The Shining. They are tattooed on my back. Um, <laughs> cool. So that's just from my mom. My mom raised me to be a horror movie person. It's kind of the only movie she would be willing to watch. She didn't like any other genre. So I grew up with horror films as opposed to children's stuff. (laughs) Um, But I know that's not the case for you guys. So let's start with Zach. What is your, what's your history with horror films like? Uh, Well, I didn't really grow up with horror movies. I got scared the crap out of me by Jurassic Park, The Lost World. When I was about 11, it was just a really scary movie to me. (laughs) To be fair, Jurassic Park's The Lost World can be pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just like these raptors. Yeah. And they're just killing all these people all of a sudden in a field. And then there was a T-Rex. It was just freaking terrifying. Well, it's Uh. very tense. Yeah, very. And like... Like, the whole ending scene with the T-Rex in the city, it's all, like, dimly lit and it's scary. Like, it's... Yeah, I didn't even make it that far. <laughs> like, it was just that one scene, and I was just randomly walked in, and it was that scene. Just caught the raptors. Oh, yeah. It was just the freaking raptors and then the damn T-Rex just eating people. It was just... Oh, I really, really did not uh, like that movie. Yeah. It's actually really funny, considering, like, Jurassic Park doesn't really get get that kind of scary. It's the same content, but, like shown differently yeah well it's uh jurassic park is far more tense yeah yeah even like the scariest moment like when they're in the in the suvs and the water starts bouncing we get the t-rex for the first little bit like that's that's scary but it's not quite as like tension it's like alien versus aliens it's like you get the tension and then you get the actual like yeah carnage yeah that's actually a very good difference alien is a sci-fi film and aliens is a horror film not not quite it's, or is it the or is it the other way around? Yeah, it, yeah, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Alien is the horror film. Aliens is when it gets more sci-fi with Jim Jim Can't Jim James Cameron. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, and um, so I didn't really grow up with very many horror movies after that. Like, I eventually started watching some monster movies. Like, just little bits and pieces I I got into. Uh, ones that are noteworthy. Like, oh, yeah. eventually I ended up watching, like, The Sixth Sense and, and things like that. Um, but I liked, like, watching the zombie movies and some of those other noteworthy ones like vampires <laughs> and, and but uh, you and you like the vampire movies you're a big twilight fan right uh-huh. not really <laughs> into twilight <laughs> do you do you have a favorite horror genre film i'd say my favorite horror genre is zombie movies like i i really like those ones they okay just, i seem to really enjoy them uh, like one of my favorite books that I I like to listen to on audiobook is World War Z. Yeah. And that one I just yeah, I just love that <laughs> one. It just goes nonstop. I've listened to it like five times at this point. Um uh, I like those kinds of Yeah. Yeah, I like those like these um zombies that I feel like I could survive kind of Fair. deal. <laughs> Like other ones, I can't. I, I if I can't survive it, I don't think I would be able to watch. I'd be able to watch it, like World War Z movie. Strangely yeah. enough, I would can't. I can't look at those zombies and think I've survived those ones because those ones are flipping terrifying. So more Dawn of the Dead, less Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, those, Makes those sense. Ones. That's that's understandable. To be fair, I don't think I'd survive Twenty Eight Days Later or World War Z, but I feel like I could survive. Like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, say. I feel have that inkling in my head that I could survive that. Uh, yeah, I kept on going into further and further ones. I still uh, avoid the supernatural ones. Six Sense. Yeah, but yeah, I like like the Six Sense is ones yeah. that I I watch. But yeah, I don't yeah, I don't fair. go into the super paranormal ones as much. Yeah, I find horror movies do get a little different when they move into, like, the Oscar quality or, like, where they're trying to be, like, a prestige film. Like, prestige horror is a lot different than regular horror. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Sarah, what is, uh, what is your, what I assume is very limited horror experience? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I will say, first of all, that I'm very opposite from Zach and I hate zombies. If it's hmm. a zombie movie, I'm not watching it. I don't. Is it? And it's it, not like. Is it, a, sorry. Is it for scare reasons or just because you don't like zombies? Just don't like them. I'm not scared okay. of them. Just don't find that appealing whatsoever. I was actually yeah. literally having this exact same conversation with my sister a couple days ago. <laughs> <clears throat> I just don't like them. Um, Fair. But yeah. So the very first horror movie I ever watched was when I was like seven, probably. Okay. Not a good place to start for someone like me. What was it? Probably explains why I'm the way I am. It was called The Clown at Midnight. Okay. Uh, It's a clown that's terrorizing people in an opera house. Nobody likes clowns. No. Clowns are just creepy inherently. Yeah, the specific thing I remember about it. It? I'm never going to watch it. Yeah, like it. It's like Pennywise the Clown is terrifying. Uh, So yeah, I watched The Clown at Midnight, hated it, very scared of it. The one thing I really remember about it is he would, like, there would be people sitting at, like, a, an old vanity, because this is, like, an abandoned place, and the girl would look at herself in the mirror, look down to pick up this necklace, and then look back up, and the clown behind her grabs the necklace and her with it. That's the only thing I remember about it. 
such a classic horror movie trope yeah the mere shot <laughs> yeah so hated that so that started my hatred for horror films uh and then one summer under one summer working at pine lake um a bunch of the staff decided to watch a horror movie and i of course said no thank you and they literally forced me to watch it with them like kept me in the room forced me to stay on the couch physically made me stay which is oh in hindsight goodness. like really mean yeah like terrible uh i can never remember what it's called but it, it the villain in it was a pro wrestler it's like in a hotel and he's just like brutally murdering everybody oh is that see no evil with kane yeah yeah that it's all right <laughs> yeah i didn't like it <laughs> That's funny. My... See, that's like, that's the kind of horror movie I'll never watch where it's just like brutal gore and like, I, that does not appeal to me. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a gore movie. Like That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it's like gore movie where you got like your saws and things like that. Like there's no saw movie. The first saw is brilliant and there's very like, there's gore, but like very little. Yeah. Like I would, I yeah. would consider watching the first saw movie, but none of the others because I can't stand gore movies. Yeah, they just don't make any sense to me. It's just yeah, gore for gore's sake. It's, I think it's funny that you watch that at camp. Uh, horror movies is like a camp thing for me. I I got in trouble once when I was working at Camp Sunrise because people found out that I had The Exorcist on me, oh. and they <laughs> I w- I didn't I didn't watch it with them because I w- had watched it with a girl. I was like, yeah, and so <laughs> I'd watched it previously, and. I shared the DVD with them and they all watched it on the big screen in the chapel. And then the the DYs found out about it. And like the exorcist is a fantastic movie. Probably not the best choice to watch at a Christian camp though. No. Um, So of course they questioned like, why are you watching this? And they all said, well, Brandon gave it to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I got, I got talked to you about that. And I find that, I find it really funny that you watched a horror movie at camp because I always make people watch horror movies at camp. Yeah, you were not there that summer because it was when I went no. back to Pine Lake yeah. after my time away from Pine Lake. But yeah, that night uh, I had to sleep in Stacy's room because I couldn't sleep by myself. <laughs> it just wasn't happening. I was Bible director, so I was in one of the evergreen mo- rooms. I wasn't in the yeah. cabin with other people. So yeah, that those are like... Probably the first two I watched. I don't think I watched any in between there. Um, Since then, I've realized that I am okay with monster genre. Probably depending on some things. Like, and I'm more okay with suspense and like tension. Yeah. I don't like to be scared, but I'm okay with being tense. So Mm -hmm. like, I really like the Quiet Place movies. I'll watch those. I do get a little bit scared, but it's more of a tense scared. Yeah, yeah. Because like you have ten- tension of of uh, think- thinking things are coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, at some point, I'll probably watch Cloverfield because I've yeah, enjoyed careful, caref- other stuff in uh, that. Careful of motion sickness. The, the like ten I, I really enjoyed Cloverfield actually. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's ten Cloverfield Lane, right? The other yeah. One? The other one, yeah. Yeah, I and really like that. There's a few other projects in there too. Yeah, but those two are the only ones that really matter. Yeah, that yeah. universe is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I've seen Silence of the Lambs. An ex-boyfriend made me watch that. 
I, I always, I'm always on the fence with Silence of the Lambs on whether or not I'm willing to call it a horror movie. Yeah, I don't because remember at a certain point, I think it's a psychological mm-hmm. thriller. And, yeah, but I hold on to it because it's the only horror movie to win Best Picture at the Oscars. So I like yeah. to say, like, if I don't call it a horror, horror yeah. has never won an Oscar. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do try and to hold on like, to that one. Silence of the Lambs yeah. is really not not crazy scary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't recall being scared by it. It's quite a few years ago now. Um, Probably like 10 years ago now that I watched it. So I don't really remember much about it. Like I remember scenes, but I don't even remember if that's from watching it or just because they're famous scenes. Like watching The Shining, there were some things that I was like, well, I've seen this before. Um, I actually have something funny to tell you guys when we get there. (laughs) But um, yeah, I just... I think that's about it. Like, I I don't enjoy being scared. It's not a fun experience for me. I don't like going on roller coasters. Like, I don't it's... do thrill-seeking. I would never, it's... like, bungee jump or jump <laughs> out of plane or anything like that. Like, it's just not a fun feeling for me. But I don't mind something that's tense that keeps me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I totally get that. I'm I'm the opposite. I think I just got desensitized too early. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I was I was watching like horror movies when I was 4. Like I, that's a that's a point of contention between Maddie and I is I I'm like I'm all let my kids watch horror movies young. Like they should be smart enough to know <laughs> that they're movies. And she does not agree with that. Yeah, point. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to sign up, That's which is yeah, I'd have to agree with Maddie. Yeah, which is yeah. fair. Most people don't agree with that point. I think I just look so fondly on it because I do love the genre so much now. Sure. And I have to attribute that to the fact that I've been watching it since I was a child. Yeah, but totally. I I will concede the fact that it's probably not the smartest idea to sit your five year old <laughs> down and watch The Exorcist. Yeah, I definitely didn't let Daisy in the room during The Shining. Fair, we, yeah. We that's... paused it if she came in. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. That's probably a good thing. Um, so, open question. They're, the horror movie experience. What is that like for you? Like, when you... We obviously sat down. We decided to watch a horror movie. What is, what is the thought process behind deciding? Like, specifically Sarah I'm interested in. Because I did not expect you to say yes when I when i agree i said i'll do this episode if sarah agrees to it and i didn't expect you to say yes so like what is for both of you like what was the process into going into this episode do you want me to answer first sure yeah okay so number one reason why i said yes because you're my friend and it's your birthday thank you (laughs) so uh number two you guys picked one that is like renowned so i was like you know what uh i like movies obviously i have a minor in film this is important (laughs) to me it's probably not the worst idea for me to watch some of the bigger ones that i can participate in conversation so i was like yeah fine i i'll watch this and i immediately messaged my dad and my sister and i said you guys need to watch this with me i can't watch it by myself um my sister and i watched it at 10 o'clock in the morning (laughs) (laughs) yeah i will tell you the day that it happened so normally Tyler and I take turns sleeping in on the weekend. So I sleep in on Saturday and he sleeps in on Sunday. Saturday okay. was my sleep in day. That's the day that my sister was free to watch the movie. And we had to watch it in the morning because I had other plans. So my day yeah. started by me laying in bed going, oh, I have to wake up on my sleep in day to do something I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it. 
got up and I Fair. went and watched it. But primarily it was because you're my friend. It was your birthday. I appreciate That's the it. loyalty. Yeah. Which is also why I got you to watch wrestling last year. So you're <laughs> you're very good friends. Thank you. Um, I tried. <laughs> Zach, uh, you pitched this episode. So what was what was the driving force behind that? Like why? Obviously, you're gonna do something like you chose something that I would like for my birthday. But where did that come from? Because yeah, like I said, you you pitched honestly, this it's coming me. from uh, my space of being a completionist. Fair. Is it an yeah. IMDb top 250 thing? Oh, it is entirely an IMDb 250 thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit ago, my brother messaged me saying like, oh, I'm doing, trying to uh, figure out how many of these films we've watched. And yeah, with him and his buddy nice. Joel. So uh, they were watch going through the list and seeing how many they've seen, had a whole Excel chart. And then at one point, Nathaniel yeah. tells me, oh, I was going to watch the 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 uh the shining with with my daughter Willow and it's just like oh yeah it's really not yeah. all that scary and actually you know if you've seen all the stuff in pop culture and all that it's easy to watch so it's just like yeah and oh. since my niece Willow see, seen it is she yeah yeah right she's now? yeah she, she's 14 yeah. how old is she uh, yeah 14 got to be Willow's old enough yeah yeah 14? okay and yeah okay yeah so she's getting older and sure yeah yeah, yeah. And she's... that makes sense <laughs> i just still see her as so young <laughs> yeah 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 i feel old um me too me too yeah, so <laughs> she's out there doing like D D stuff so it's really cool yeah yeah it's awesome love D D. um so then yeah i was just like okay maybe i can try to watch this one and oh you know gonna try to do this for for with brandon because it's gonna be one fun one because at certain episodes i feel like brandon's not really feeling mm-hmm. the you yeah. know watching disney movies all the time because it's not really his scene so gotta do something special for brandon to keep him interested in this podcast just to be nice nice for you <laughs> <laughs> sure refresh it a little I do, bit i do like the branching out every now and then it is nice mm-hmm. for me sure. um so uh, it's it's top two fifty related. What other are there other many other horror movies on the top two fifty? Like, not very many. Uh, there's like there's The Shining, The Exorcist, The Thing, Sixth Sense. Um, yeah, uh, trying to think mm. if there's many others. Um, a couple of international ones, I guess. But yeah. I think there's there's that that's about it. The hmm. thing, the thing is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't say this earlier when we were talking about our experience with horror movies, but I am with Zach that like things about spirits and stuff. Like, I'm not gonna mm. watch because I believe mm-hmm. that that's real. I can't yeah. watch something if I believe it's real. Yeah, that's uh, that's Maddie's hold up with horror movies too. Like she can sit there and easily well, she easily watches all horror movies with me now. <laughs> I've got her pretty desensitized, but like. She doesn't much care about slasher, killer, whatever, but she gets a little irked by, like, supernatural spirit stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, I did once try to argue to Elaine Bridger <laughs> that The Exorcist is, in fact, a Christian film, mm. and <laughs> she did not buy it. I told her that despite the content, it's about a priest who uses the power of the Lord to save a little girl from a demon. 
that's sure. Christian to me. But it didn't it didn't go over well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the 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 spirit stuff is probably my favorite of all the horror movies, which interesting. Is, yeah, it's just I just find it more interesting than just killers. Yeah. Like you can yeah, kill it, 40 people on screen, it doesn't bother me, but like sure. you give me The Exorcist or even The Conjuring has a good storyline to it. Like I find that a lot more scary and yeah, interesting, there's way more but, depth to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but I do I do find with a lot of like semi-horror or non-horror fans, I do find that the spiritual ghost demons like that's the line that people have trouble with the most yeah i can't like it's same with like watching like crime shows and stuff like if it's true Mm -hmm. i don't want to watch it because i feel then my anxiety goes into overdrive and thinks well that's going to happen to me and i already have issues like when it comes to the spiritual stuff i already have issues with nighttime my vision plays tricks on me and i see things i will see someone very clearly standing at my door and it's terrifying (laughs) and i don't get sleep paralysis thankfully but i have to stare at that spot until my eyes stop playing tricks on me happens to me all the time probably my whole life tyler is terrified by it he would prefer not to know when it happens to me but there have been times where i'm so convinced that it's real that i have like smacked him and been like you need to help me and he's like what the heck and i'm like oh it was not real i'm half asleep (laughs) But, like, that makes me terrified that there mm-hmm. are, That's, like, That is terrifying. Around. Yeah, that is. So, like, I can't watch that stuff because I believe in angels and demons and all that. Like, I. Have you I'm tried just, to, like, no. like smudge trailer, your house or something? <laughs> yeah, the trailer for the new Exorcist movie, that was too scary for me. Mm, I do. I have heard that movie sucks. Like, yeah. I was looking forward to it, but it's got, like, a two on IMDb <laughs> or something like that. Like, yeah. yeah, I it's... can't. Like, the. In the trailer, it showed a bit of the devolving of the the girls, yeah. and I couldn't look at what they looked like. And then I went and just read the plot summary of The Exorcist, because that's what I do to learn about horror movies. Mm-hmm. I just read their plot summaries. And I was like, Fair. oh yeah, nope, I'm good. Don't want to watch this. Can't. Yeah. The Exorcist is a, is a really hard one to get past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call it to this day, I say it's the only movie that ever legitimately scared me. Oh, okay. Except there was a movie... Uh, not Children of the Corn, Village of the Damned. And I freaked out and I cried because Kirstie Alley, there was like children that make adults like kill themselves mm-hmm. with their eyes. And Kirstie Alley cuts herself open with a scalpel. And oh. I really, I really only freaked out because at the time we were watching Cheers quite often. And <laughs> I was really upset that she was dying. Yeah, that's uh, true. But that was when I was like three and my mom was still kind of teaching me movie versus real life. Sure. But I was five when I saw The Exorcist, and it was the one movie my mom wouldn't let me watch. She's like, you're not old enough. But they went out, and I was left home alone while my sister was asleep. But like, And it was either that or watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I had seen a bunch of times. So I watched The Exorcist and regretted it. Yeah, um, I bet. But I think, for that, I think that's the reason it's my favorite horror movie, is just it was the one that actually scared me in life. Sure. But it is it is a hard one to cross because there is some crazy stuff that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's a horror genre in a bit. Uh, let's kick it over to Zach. Zach has opted to do the newbie recap for the film today. Hey everybody, it's your boy Zach. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just had to do that this time. Um, so 
it began the movie begins with a super long drive going through the mountains and it's like very long aerial shots and yeah it's going yep. all the way to this isolated hotel and then there's like yeah there's an interview my sister pointed out something funny both jack and the guy interviewing him are wearing crocheted ties yeah <laughs> I never like I didn't notice that until like this time around. Yeah. So I was looking for more detail, but it's like, yeah, they're wearing crocheted ties. Yeah, that's exactly. She was looking at detail this time too because she's seen it before and she's like, what the yeah. heck? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So they're at this. Uh, they're at this hotel and they're interviewing for a caretaker job. And oh, there's, there's just saying that another uh, caretaker uh, killed his family. So a little bit of foreshadowing yep. there. Yep. Uh, then afterwards it flashes back to, uh, this guy's family, uh, family, and it's, uh, showcasing, uh, the son and the the wife uh, as they're at home and it's showcasing like this, this, um, the son is talking with his finger and he's, it reminds me of like, uh, Mr. Binky from from uh, Muppet Treasure Island, where it's like Fozzie Bear's imaginary friend who talks on his finger, and yeah, it's just I just something that I find very funny. Um, so then it goes to the drive of the, of the parents and the kid going to the hotel, and then they're driving through and they're just hanging out in this car, and they're. Uh, and then they end up referencing like the Donner Party for some reason, as they're talking, as they're driving through. Yeah, but it is it is a direct, almost a direct parallel to what happens in the film, minus the cannibalism, of course. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and of course they're talking about the cannibalism in with a five year old. I mean, just come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a whole situation. <laughs> I feel like Jack is the kind of dad Brandon is. Like, his kid asks him about cannibalism. He'll be like, oh, yeah, let me tell you all about it. Yeah, I'll probably be that kind of dad, to be yeah. real. <laughs> hopefully you're not, like, fully like him. Well, but... yeah, I, hopefully I don't kill my family or try yeah. to, but, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> dad goals. Uh... <laughs> all right, so then they're showing them around the hotel, uh, like a big tour of this big building but it seems yes. not so not so big when there's people around uh, then he he's going and he introduces the them to the cook this black cook uh, as, mm-hmm. and then he's yep. calls uh, uh, Dave by his nickname for s- somehow he knows his nickname as like uh, Doc or whatever mm-hmm. and then he ends up talking to him yeah it's the uh because that's the shine scene that's where we learn what the shining Mm -hmm. is and it's kind of like their telepathic ability which is like a connection to the past yeah which is interesting yeah it's interesting it's just yeah it's just kind of comes out of the blue it's just hey this kid actually has a ability to to read minds or or read i don't know telepathy or something like that um then yeah he's yeah they're all stuck at home going at at this yep. hotel for a long period of time and then they're just 
hanging out there. The mom and, and the son are going through the maze, and, and he's working on his novel, yep. and he's yep. in this re- wanting to be isolated, and he's in this really big room, and he gets upset about people getting in his room, but uh, getting his way for writing his great novel. But he's in this giant, giant room with the, where the staircase is, and he's expecting nobody to get in his way. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. He's a yeah, whole right massive hotel. Yeah. Yeah, and all the hotel. He's in this one big room. Yeah. It's just, ugh, come on. And, yeah, it's just having trouble with his son, Dave, going uh, going through. Danny. And bugging him. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. he's named Danny? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I mixed him up with. Dave from 2001 yeah. Space Odyssey. Uh, like, I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> Which is also a great Kubrick film. All Kubrick films are great. Let's be real. But <laughs> I... Yeah, I've, I've actually seen a lot of the Kubrick films. Like, I've even seen his, uh, his mm-hmm. noir film, The Killing. The Killing, yeah. Becca asked me if I'd ever seen one of his movies. And I, there was one I had seen. Now I don't remember what it was but I'd only seen one. Paths of Glory? No. 2001? Mm-mm. No. Uh, Doctor Strangelove? I doubt it was... No. Barry Lyndon? No. I doubt it was Clockwork Orange. I would have been surprised if it was Barry Lyndon. (laughs) Yeah, Barry Lyndon is super pretentious. Although Barry Lyndon is a beautiful film to look at. Like, every frame, he wanted yeah, it to be like a painting, and it is. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it is just so pretentious. It is just, like, Yeah, snooty. it's not his best-received movie. Is it Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise and Kidman? Lolita. Lolita. Oh, yeah. That's, a, oh, that's okay. I haven't one. seen that one. Yeah, I watched that because we read it in school. So. Uh, anyway, uh, Danny is rolling on, and he is going with his trike, and... He proceeds to go to room 237, and, and he's going by it, and, oh, look, the room is open. Oh, and he decides to go in there after seeing these creepy twins and whatnot, and the door is open, and he goes in, and then we don't see him or what happens to him, but then Wendy uh, tells Jack that there's, like, a big handprint on his throat, and, yeah, he challenges the only other person in the in the hotel. Yeah. yeah. Who has a history uh, this of This leads too. Wendy. Yeah. He's been keep, violent before. Uh, yeah. And this leads Jack to go to the hotel bar, and air, and he ends up getting a drink, air quotes, from a ghost. Yeah, you could say, you could use air quotes, because there's no actual drinks there. Yeah. Yeah, then, after he's had this, this air quote drink, uh, Wendy says sorry to him, and saying that Danny said that it was a woman uh, that was in room two, 237, and... So then Jack goes and tries to investigate, and whoa, lo and behold, there's a woman in there. And this leads to a very big scene that uh, is just a naked woman, just ghost lady, and it's just very long and drawn out, and he gets seduced and stuff, and he goes and, of course, he goes and decides to kiss this random lady that's in there. And then she goes from hot, and then she is not. Which I think is arguably one of the scarier scenes of the movie. Yes. It yeah, was... it would have been scary, but I already know what went on. Yeah. 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 I wasn't expecting it, 
Uh, Becca and I had just been laughing because the day before watching this, Tyler and I watched No Hard Feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence rom-com from last year or whatever. And in that movie, you see Jennifer Lawrence fully naked. And I said to my sister, wow, I guess every movie I watch is going to have female nudity. And she said, yep, from now on, the rest of your life, every movie you watch, full frontal (laughs) naked woman. And then suddenly the woman shifts. And I was like, ah, so I chose to not look at the screen and that's the moment that daisy decided to try and walk into the living room oh, so both that Becca and i were like no don't come time. in and then she started crying that is the worst possible time you yeah. i didn't notice until this watch um you can see the switch because she's young and beautiful like young and sexy whatever you want to call it naked and then it cuts to the close-up, and you can tell that he's kissing an older face before you get the body reveal. Oh, okay. I didn't notice. I didn't notice that until this time around when I was like looking deep for it. I, I, I didn't. Like I've I've seen this movie a hundred times by this point, and I didn't. I didn't oh, actually yeah. notice that. That's when you see. Yeah, the I change. noticed like, it. It cuts to the close-up, and she's a different woman already. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I did not notice. I was not looking closely. Yeah, yeah I totally. <laughs> noticed that. Fair. Um. Uh, yeah. Then, as all this is going on, uh, Dave, uh, or Danny, uh, calls out with his shining, calls out to the black to the black cook, and he's uh, then he's at the black cook. It's just like he's got posters of naked women there. Ugh. Yeah. Why does he just have posters of naked women? What was the purpose I don't, of that? To be honest, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot around. Like he's a dick or was. Was it Dick Halloran is his name in the movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's a large point where I don't think he needs to be there post explaining what The Shining is. Yeah, but I guess he like we'll get to that. Like, he brings the snowcat and everything, but like, I I don't understand. Yeah. It's just a weird that they never oh, explain what his life is like in Florida. <laughs> He's yeah, just got just a bunch of posters of naked women, which is also like you have to wonder exactly what it is because Kubrick's not something to leave a detail like just unannounced like it's it sure. always there's something to it but i, I don't mm-hmm. know <laughs> yeah he's as bad as yeah he's as bad as wes anderson for his his sets oh kubrick is more particular than pretty much any director like he is he's intense yeah but wes anderson is also like really particular about his sets settings he is very particular with sets yeah yeah i do i do love wes anderson's work like as far as perfectionism i'd put him up there with kubrick as well yeah <laughs> yeah but his cast members actually like him yeah probably yeah considering that tight-knit group i would imagine they like him (laughs) yeah that's true no bill murray not many actors i think go back to work with kubrick more than once yeah uh so then after this whole scene jack really snaps uh wendy goes and tries to check on him after he just doesn't come back and whatnot and he so he goes to the ballroom and then gets told to kill his family by other ghosts and there's a whole lot of ghosts now and then wendy goes to check mm-hmm. on him and yep. then he's uh sees his novel and then the novel is all is the whole phrase all work and mm-hmm. no play makes jack a dull boy written in so many different ways and this leads to jack getting upset with her and try to confront her about it and threaten her and it takes it up the stairs and and it goes in a really long long shot like just going up the stairs it- it feels like one shot mm-hmm. like it feels like it flows together but it is cut yeah yeah it, it totally is but it just feels like a really yeah. drawn out scene uh 
it just gets so tense and then she eventually knocks him out with the bat or knocks him down the stairs and then he gets knocked out and then she goes he goes to the foot uh, food locker which i think was the wrong decision for her as that's where all her food is <laughs> yeah she at that moment doesn't realize she can't get out though true yeah she's expecting to go yeah, yeah. she's she's going to go to the radio or the snowcat after this but it's not till he's yeah. locked in that he's like are you sure yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. Um, then after this, he talks. Jack talks to the ghosts, and then they they let him out. And then this leads to the iconic moment of here's Johnny as he breaks through the doors with a, with yeah. an axe, and it's just that's the moment that's ingrained in the modern zeitgeist of of this mi- film. I mean, it's on all the mm-hmm. posters and Classic. stuff, like his face sticking through the door, and then uh, this. And as soon as this happens, Danny Gill was out the window and he's like, he must have been freezing nope, without his kidding. without his sweater, yep. with just a sweater on. And then just as he's about to get get Wendy and the, the snowcat yep. just so happens to come by. Dick Howard. Yeah. yeah. And so then uh, Jack leaves to go take care of he's the here co- to save the day. Yeah. yeah he's just just randomly there. Dick Howard is just randomly there. Yeah. And then Jack goes to get the go and and kill her but he i mean like why did he leave leave wendy there why did yeah. he have to leave her there to nope. go get get <laughs> nope him because he had to get the cook Ugh, it's just tiring and i really I find gotta... that part is probably the part that irks me the most because we get this whole side mm-hmm. story of dick halloran coming from florida and he flies up to colorado he drives five hours he gets a snow cat and finally makes it to the mm-hmm. thing he gets axed in the chest the second he walks in like, yeah, like he told yeah, I the was most expecting that to be more drawn out. Yeah, like yeah. I think he would have like been prepared to actually confront somebody. Like he went all the way there for and he's just calling out, "Is anybody there?" Like, yeah. "I'm right here. Come kill me." It's just like, ugh. And then it's just like, of course, the black guy is the one that has to die mm-hmm. first. And that and then yeah, it's just like you think there'd be some confrontation, but nope, just, True, just yeah. one axe it is, yeah, it, to it's, the chest. To this day, that part bothers me. It's like, man, homie came all the way from Florida just to make no difference. Um, then, yeah, after Jack kills Dick, he goes after Danny in the maze. And I'm thinking he's going to be good at this maze because he's had practice. And then I'm like, oh, crap, there's footprints in the snow. Uh, so he's just going to keep following him and... Uh, and then Jack is injured, so then Danny can go faster than Jack because he's a full-grown man. And I'm just like, oh, crap, come on, kid, keep going, keep going. And then after a bit, it's like, oh, this kid is yeah. is backtracking in the snow. I'm just like, holy crap, this five-year-old is super smart. Yep. It's just, and then yeah. he's, he uh, gets off his tracks and, and covers his tracks, all like 101 Dalmatian style. And it's just like, yes, 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 thank you, kid. That is awesome. I am very happy that you're doing this. It's like some yeah, uh, somebody super smart. Yeah. He's, smart play. Yeah. yeah like a, a character in a horror movie that's doing something really smart. It's awesome. Um, yeah. And then he yeah, conveniently goes into the snow cat as he gets away. And then as, and then Jack ends up freezing to death and then, Oh, all of a sudden Jack is a part of the hotel. As he's all, after he's got all lost in, in the yeah. maze and stuff. Yeah. Yes. So my funny thing that I told you I would tell you, uh, when it cut to that shot of him frozen in the snow, 
obviously I've seen that picture before because it's a mm-hmm. meme. Always yeah. thought that was Jim Carrey. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> I can see it, yeah. 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 Always thought it was Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, like the Grinch kind <laughs> no. of thing or whatever. But it's just Jack yeah. Nicholson's just got the crazy face there. Well, I mean, Jack Nicholson just has a crazy face. But yeah, I've always yeah. just thought it was a scene from a Jim Carrey movie where he's just being silly. Like, I didn't even realize yeah. that the character in this picture is dead. <laughs> so, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah, he gets revealed to be in the picture, which is mm-hmm. kind of like that last little twist, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Um, that was my That's newbie a good, recap. Uh, good recap. Before we get into the deep dive, I do want to ask Sarah, because you have probably the least amount of scary movie experience out of us. Do you think The Shining, now that you've seen it, is a good introduction film to to non-horror fans trying to get into horror? And why or why not? Um, it's hard for me to say because, for one thing, like, I didn't get scared watching it. But I knew what was going to happen, and I had a three-year-old interrupting me every, like, 20 minutes. So, like, that made it harder. But I feel like it could be because it's well-known. You basically know what will happen. Um, The newbie watching it might not necessarily know that everybody gets out. Not everybody. That she and Danny get out. Yeah. Um, So it could be tense just, like, not knowing. But... Yeah, I think it's not as scary as I expected it to be. I was expecting that I would be really, really scared. I was definitely uneasy, and it took me a few hours to shake that feeling off, Mm -hmm. especially because I followed it by going to my church and being the only one in the building for half an hour. (laughs) And that doesn't work super well after watching a horror movie. Um, But yeah, I, I think it could be because it is a classic and it like follows some typical tropes and the acting on Jack Nicholson's end anyways is really good. Danny's good too. She's fine. She was going through a lot. So She was going through quite a bit. Yeah. Um Yeah, with her yeah. big eyes. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah, was She does have pretty big eyes. I think it could be if someone is trying to get into horror. If so, it's someone like yeah. me who's just not interested, just don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. But, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of like kind of like Silence of the Lambs where it almost swings a little more psychological or do you feel like it's a true like a true horror film? I feel like it's more horror. Like it's not really playing with your mind cuz you know what's going to like you know what's happening. He's going crazy. There's ghosts. It's a ghost story. Like, something that I had a hard time with in it is I kept looking for the explanation of what was happening. But the explanation is just that it's legit ghosts. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I always look for, like, okay, it seems like ghosts, but actually this is what happened. But there is none of that. (laughs) No Scooby-Doo reveal moment. Well, I don't mean an explanation like that, because that's silly. But, like, Danny has... (laughs) marks on his arm because like his telepathic ability made and the person inside of him made him do that to himself like that kind of thing not like there's literally a ghost woman in this bathroom (laughs) 
is. But there is. There is literally a yeah. ghost woman in the bathroom, yeah. So I wouldn't uh, call it psychological because there isn't any of that. It's just, it is what it is. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Zach, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I would recommend this to people who are trying to get into the genre themselves, just, just like Sarah said, um, especially on the artsy side. Yeah. It's not terribly scary. Uh, it's been around forever. It's been, it's become such a regular thing for people to quote this film. Like they quote the here's Johnny moment and, and there's no real blood, like, like guts or anything like that. Yeah. And, and there's no jump scares. So it's not uber scary like the only part that scared me was when i thought that when i actually thought thought that wendy was actually isolation is it's one of like the bigger themes of the film like we brought up the donner party like that's a big part of that as well and i think it is like one of the main themes of the film uh, yeah yeah the ice yeah the isolation part was was very good um like the only part that really scared me was when I thought that Wendy was actually yeah. going to get killed in the "Here's Johnny" moment. I thought that he was actually going to slice her, and then Johnny would, yeah. would have to get away himself. And that, like, and then she just survived for some reason. For some reason, she she deserves to die. <laughs> well, if she dies too, the kid's gonna die. How's he gonna survive by himself? He, yeah, he's not driving that snowcat. Yeah, and he's not gonna be able to like sustain himself for another few months before someone comes yeah no like uh, he he might have been (laughs) able to have some of the food had she died if that forest ranger or whoever would have been like maybe we should go check maybe yeah they haven't heard from him in a long time yeah it also didn't seem like they cared much (laughs) well he cared enough to be like yeah i'll check on them like call me back like we'll make sure that they're okay Yeah. yeah that's true it's possible and but then there's also like the hotel ghost. He'd be up there all by himself, yeah. and the ghosts but are trying to kill him. Can he open that cooler by himself? Can he? Like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot to that. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, there's also the ghosts there that are trying to ha- kill him, and then he'd be all there by himself with just a bunch of dead bodies. Exactly. He'd be That's the other yeah. piece. The ghosts yeah. would have found a way to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he would have gone crazy. I've also heard that in some ways the book is scarier than than the movie, so there's some significant differences there. A little bit, yeah. There are some there are some changes to the story. Like instead of the maze, they're like hedge animals and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think like I've read the book; it's pretty much the same. But it is a good suspenseful book. Mm-hmm. My sister said she thinks the movie is a lot more scary. I would I would agree. Yeah, I would agree that the movie is a lot like a lot better than the book, in my opinion. Yeah, she yeah. said it's better to just consider them two separate entities. Yeah, there is also a uh, like Stephen King directed a the straight mini-series. to D- TV miniseries. There's like yeah. two or three episodes. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. I borrowed it from my mom once and watched it, and it was just, it's not great. Yeah, like, which Kubrick is interesting. Really knew how to make this movie. Yeah, because. Yeah. I, as I was reading about it beforehand, I could see, like, Stephen King did not like this movie, but he likes the miniseries, because it tells the he story the way yeah. he wants it told. Yeah, he, he did not like the movie. He felt like Jack Nicholson was a uh, a poor fit for the role. Well, he I mean... He thought that... 
he thought that Jack Nicholson looks crazy normally. Yeah. So he felt like if the character looked crazy in the beginning, it, it just fell flat when he went crazy in the end. Sure. Yeah. And he, like, like you know I saw that he, <laughs> I saw that he said like, he just did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So we already think he's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And he's right. Like when they're driving the three of them to the hotel, he looks already deranged. He already looks like, crazy. When yeah. he goes for the interview, he's a little more normal, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Stephen King himself, like saw himself a lot in J- in the character yeah. of Jack, like like his, his problems as well, and he just took it personally. Yeah, and struggles struggles with alcohol stuff like that. Yeah, like he took it personally uh, mm-hmm. about the character of Jack. He thought of himself, saw himself in there, and thought saw like the de evolution of this man mm-hmm. and yeah. and because he was supposed to be like a good man at the beginning like a flawed man but still a good man a good loving no. father of his of his kids and i just no. yeah, i didn't no. get the loving side of him from from his interactions with his his son and his and his wife like he you don't see the love that he had yeah yeah i think like the jack of the movie like you see in the beginning like he's when he's interviewing for the job like he's He's happier, I guess. And it seems like even though he's not doing well with his family, it seems like he's at least trying to do something. Sure. Yeah. And a large part of his character is his like his drive for success, right? Like he wants to be a good writer. And I think that's like at one point good because that's a family related thing. Like he wants to be good, successful for his family. But I think that's also like what corrupts him in the end. But I do agree that I don't I, I don't really feel the love in the even in the beginning. I, I do feel like he's trying to make it work more than love. Yeah, like he's supposed to be like a good man in the beginning. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like family's just what you do. Yeah, yeah. like the yeah. old times where it was just like that was the role of the ma- of yeah. the male figure. Yeah. He was um, would be the one that brings home the money. Yeah, it gets gets worse from there yeah and then he just um, yeah, goes crazy so uh same question do you think it uh skews a little more psychological or would you think it is more in the category of like a true horror film i would put it at about 50 50 for psychological to uh, ghost horror That's fair i find i find a lot of like a lot of people have asked that question too have given me on mm-hmm. either side of the fence um, yeah, and then like I would put Silence of the Lambs at like ninety ten. Yeah, yeah, I I would give ninety ten sounds good for Silence of the Lambs, but yeah, fifty fifty. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, so that is that's it for that question. Let's move into a bit of a deep dive. I've pulled up some themes and some symbols from the movie that uh, just good to point out. I think. Um, Starting with themes, I think it's we brought up kind of the idea of Jack and his success, and I think that plays into a theme of um, like just the idea of a socioeconomic class structure, uh, because his entire motivation is to be successful. He wants to be the greatest writer. He wants to be best, but he's not necessarily getting that. And when Wendy kind of pitches to him like we need to go take him to a doctor we need to leave this place what he freaks out about is the fact that he has he's going to back end up back in Denver doing menial jobs mm-hmm. um and this kind of 
I, I think The Shining plays with this class structure because as he gets more and more like deranged, like mad, the high life of the past kind of picks up. So like when he first meets the, uh, he calls him Lloyd, the bar, the bartender, he is treated as a good patron. And that's kind of the first, first bit of the movie where he's treated as a higher society person. And we see that again when he comes back and he's in the entire party and his money is no longer good. He doesn't have to pay for the drink. He sees himself as a higher society person. He ends up in the bathroom. And he's being treated, wiped down by the waiter who's calling him sir. And he's being like he's inserted himself into this higher class structure that he strives to. But it's it's kind of like his his drive for that is what leads into the madness and the more he attains that in his own mind or like the only way he can attain it is going crazy um so i think that's i think that's a very like strong theme in the movie is just trying to figure out the like the, the drive for success and the like risk or result it has on his family mm-hmm. um I think something that's interesting to point out is like just the way like the effects of abuse on Danny because a lot of the movie is seen not like not necessarily through Danny's eyes but we interpret a lot of the stuff through Danny and it's important to note that like he hit Danny before when he was drunk and really Danny's never forgiven him for that even though they never explain that like they never Mm -hmm. go deep we don't actually get access to that story like that part of the story we just know what happened and I think like Danny's lack of trust in um Jack is kind of like the the jumping off point for it he is able to be corrupted by the hotel because he's no longer trusted by his own family and I think that just speaks towards like the idea of separation, like that isolationism again. Like he gets separated and he's isolated from his own own family. And I think that really plays into the story. Um, something I read online that I thought was interesting uh, when he's waiting to be interviewed at the hotel in the beginning of the movie, he's reading a Playgirl magazine, which isn't something that would be laying around in an average hotel like if they're mm. going to have magazines on it's not going to be smut magazines right right um and something interesting about that specific issue though is apparently if you look up that issue there is a big large important article about incest oh. in that in that article and the cover of the magazine is about the selling of someone's soul like there's a cover oh. on, on the magazine there's a thing about an article about someone selling someone's soul and Kubrick we've mentioned earlier like he's a details person so nothing nothing on screen is random for Kubrick so there has to be a meaning to the playgirl Mm -hmm. especially considering like it would never be in a hotel um Mm -hmm. so the online opinion in like just in terms of like the theme of abuse is that Kubrick is subtly suggesting that pre in the abuse that we didn't get to see beforehand that Jack's been actually sexually abusing Danny as well and that's something that doesn't get uncovered and doesn't get explained throughout the movie, but it's uh, leads into like why Danny can't trust him, regardless of whether or not he's sober and working for his family. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I thought I thought that was very interesting because I've like I've noticed before that he read the Playgirl magazine. 
I just didn't think much about it, to be honest. It was just, Mm -hmm. I thought it was just like a funny thing, but like when you learn more about Kubrick and the fact that he never makes anything random, like knowing about the articles in the magazine does kind of hint towards a deeper form of abuse, which is kind of like the, the evil side of Jack that gets brought out by the hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting. I think the the past, like nostalgia, also plays a large a large part in this movie. Obviously, because uh, like the 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 ballroom scene is everyone's from the nineteen twenties, essentially. Um, when he at the very end, when he's in the photograph, he literally becomes a part of the past, being in the photograph. And during the shining scene. Um, he explains it like burnt toast hmm. where basically like you can scrape it off, but it's always going to be there. And I think that's like just the haunted part of Jack's psyche, regardless of how he covers it, regardless of what he does, he moves, he gets a job at a hotel for his family. He's going to become a writer. It's, it's always still there. No matter what he does, he can always like, he can't escape that abusive past. And that's what gets brought out in the, in the hotel. Um, so I think like the past is very, like he he glamorizes the past and the high society again from the like the socioeconomic side. Like he he glamorizes that part of the past and like the good old days of the hotel. I do think it's interesting. Like when he meets Delbert Grady in the bathroom, who used to be the caretaker, is the parent of the twins that get murdered. Um, he Kubrick has him refer to Dick Halloran as I'll call it the, the N word cook. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, that's just kind of, it's almost like a reminder, like Jack is getting enamored with this idea of nostalgia and this idea of the past, but it's almost like to remember, like the past isn't good for everyone specifically for like a black person in 1920s America kind of deal. Um, it's just a reminder, like you are clinging on to this past, this idea of society and life. But, like, it's not good for everyone, and that's kind of, like, the symbol, like, it's not good for you. Um, He doesn't see that, and that, of course, is the conversation which gets him to decide to kill his family. That's when he um, basically tells him, like, his son's trying to bring the cook in, and you need to kill your family. I took care of my, or I corrected my family, which was just a really creepy way to say it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I corrected my daughters, and when my wife did something, I corrected her as well. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it sits weird. Like, it's a really creepy, like, he doesn't say kill or anything. He just, he corrected them, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. And, like, even his his idea to become a writer, the way he does that is very Ernest Hemingway. He locks himself in a room, albeit a giant room, um... But he still locks himself in a room and he fantasizes about alcohol. Eventually he does start drinking like Hemingway would. But like it's kind of like locking himself in and trying to be a person from the past that he's trying to cling on to. Mm-hmm. But his past isn't good. Um, and then just kind of on that thing of isolationism as well comes like the breakdown of the family unit. Uh, like the family is portrayed as a nuclear family. Like by all intents and purposes they are 
a good family, the three of them. Even yeah. when she's being questioned by the doctor, it's like, oh, it's just it's just one of those things. Like, mm-hmm. he was drunk, but now he's not drunk, and he, we're totally good, and we're happy, and we're going to move to this hotel all happy together. But um, it doesn't it doesn't stay that way and they get like separated in many different ways um part of that being going to symbols here so we look at the symbols of that a way a large way that they get separated or the separation of the family is demonstrated is through like the symbol of the maze the labyrinth itself um I think it's very interesting that Danny goes into the labyrinth twice in the movie, once with each parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning of the film, it's with his mom, and they, they reach the center of the maze like pretty easily. They have fun, and assuming they get out pretty easily because they never show them getting out, and they just continue on with daily life. Yeah, and Jack is seeing them from, seeing them from the hotel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it cuts to him on the inside and he's looking at the model of the maze. Right. And he sees them in there and he's got the Kubrick stare, which is Kubrick stare. He's, he does it a million times in this movie. And I think Nicholson's got one of the best Kubrick stares. Um, but he is, he's just watching the, the son and the mom succeed in the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. There's a whole maze of stuff going on in that labyrinth and he's watching them succeed while he can't. And in the end, he doesn't. When Danny and he go, when Danny and him go into the labyrinth at the very end, Danny's running. Danny is isn't looking for a solution. He's just running. The camera can barely keep up with Danny, which is like interesting camera work. Like they really just fly, fly around with him. But and Jack is not running in the labyrinth himself. He's following Danny and his only connection to the inside, his only way to be able to solve that labyrinth is by following Danny. So when Danny backtracks and he loses the trail, he gets completely lost, which is just essentially him being lost in the maze of the hotel. Like he can't, Danny can escape, but he can't. It's too, it's too far gone for him, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, And then beyond the actual maze like beyond the actual labyrinth it's uh if you pay if you pay attention the layout of the mu of the hotel doesn't make any sense um there are hallways that shouldn't exist uh in the owner's office or the guy he interviews with there's a window in that office that looks outside and then when they step outside the office you see that it's surrounded by rooms in the middle of the hotel there's no windows that window is impossible. And a lot of the windows in the hotel are actually, uh, they don't work in context. Um, there is a hallway in the Colorado lounge, which is where he goes to the, the ballroom. Essentially it's the ballroom. Uh, that hallway can't exist just in the layout of it. Um, so in essence, like the entire, the entire hotel is this maze that the family is stuck in, but it's interesting because Danny rides through the maze on his tricycle in two different scenes yeah in both scenes he makes turns that are impossible that puts him into places that don't that don't exist he is able to navigate through these impossible corridors with ease like he stops at room 237 when he stops room two he starts on the first floor 
and then he eventually he rides and he rides and he pulls up to through 237 which is on the second floor so he can we didn't see him go up any stairs or anything like that mm-hmm. it's it's genuinely impossible but he's able to figure it out probably because he's he's got the shining he right. has the ability to survive whereas jack doesn't he he doesn't he goes searching for his family and he barely finds them um so this whole this whole thing just the hotel, the maze, it all just uses the maze as this idea of characters like being lost in their own madness, but mm-hmm. more so specifically Jack because Danny and Wendy can can get out. Right. Um, I want to point out the use of the color red. It is probably the most prominent f- color in the movie. And I'm pretty sure we all watched Cries and Whispers at the same time. So, yeah, I watched that what? one. Cries and Whispers, the Swedish film. I don't know that movie. Bergman? Yeah. You didn't watch that? Igmar Bergman. It's about like the two sisters and it's like kind of weirdly incestuous in a weird way. Yeah, it was in our international film class. It was a Swedish film. I did. I don't remember that movie though. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's it's the same thing. They, Bergman uses the color red. Yeah, very like a, intensely throughout crim- that entire film and it's just red. kind of like crimson red yeah it's, it, but it's the same it's the same in the in the shining um even like the word like red rum is kind of like a reference to like red room which is um well it's also murder backwards obviously we do find that out in the mirror shot but like red room is interesting because that is the bathroom where uh Jack meets Delbert Grady and he's surrounded by this red, this blood, this like, it's almost like the blood of the past because he's in the ballroom at this point. He's with Delbert Grady. Who's the manager. It's the blood of the past. And he's actually, that's when he's convinced that he needs to kill his family. Um, and like, obviously blood is a very prominent thing in this movie. There's a elevator full of blood that completely destroys like the set in the room. And that's kind of, the blood in the hallway is the, I think it's the first, no, it's not the first, but it's one of the first times that Wendy's realizing that the ghosts exist because mm. she doesn't see the ghosts for 90% of the film. Right. Um, like she only really starts to see them then. And uh, like the blood is just kind of like everything catching up to her at first. And it just washes everything in red, which is like, basically like the tainting of Jack's soul in a weird way. Um, yeah. And then there's a few others, smaller ones. Uh, Jack references the three little pigs when he's chopping down the door. Yeah. Um, that's interesting just because he, in the story, the wolf kills everyone except one pig who actually gets away. It's the wolf. Which is kind of foreshadowing to Danny yeah. being able to survive. Yeah. Um, and then the wolf gets eaten. Yeah, kind of similar. He freezes, but he gets eaten. Um, and then the women, the woman in the bathtub kind of plays into that idea of nostalgia and, like, the thing. It's It represents Jack's, like, inability to deal with his own aging and his failure to succeed. Um he has when he first sees her he's he sees what he wants to be right he wants to have the fresh young person and then when she switch it's like age and his like successes are like slipping through his fingers in a way like he's 
He's losing grasp of it. His dream is dying, and so will he eventually. Um, what do you think about all of that? What do you think? Am I wrong? Am I right? That was a very deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deep dive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I think that the, the sexual abuse side of things was a bit of a stretch. Like, yeah, I don't. I didn't quite feel that. Yeah, I do. I do think that's a reach. Like my my actual the yeah my actual theory with that is just the the fact that like the abuse is a stain of his past that kind of comes forward. But right. like I read I read about the Playgirl magazine. I figured it was like in, at least interesting enough to pop in there. But that's I agree with you that it is kind of a stretch. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a possibility, and especially knowing Kubrick and his like attention to detail, like it's got to be there for a reason. But right. I agree. I think the whole thing of the hotel as a maze is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, there's a video somewhere. I've never seen it, to be completely honest. I just read that it existed while I was doing uh, like my research and stuff. Um, but there's a video that goes into and breaks down how the layout of The Shining is impossible. Um, interesting. I think that's... I think that's part of, I think they include part of that in, there's a documentary called Room 237. Mm-hmm. And it's just about like the con- different conspiracy theories and thoughts on The Shining. And I think that's part of it as well. The layout being uh, like a maze. Because yeah, Danny does go from like floor one to floor two just by rounding a corner. And it's just, it's interesting how like everything, the movie like takes place in a maze and it ends in a maze. So I just think that's a very important theme of the film right yeah yeah uh yeah like and i i like the like i just recently listened to a whole podcast yeah. in regards to it it was a villains podcast and nice. just talking about like the like as like the hotel as the villain yes yeah the i the, dig that okay yeah and it was just trying to see it, it is as, yeah i find a lot of people yeah. will claim it's jack yeah, like though, the, but... the, the hotel yeah. is the villain uh, yeah, and the hotel is the one that co- corrupts uh, Jack. It's the one that corrupts the other mm-hmm. uh, key, uh, groundskeeper. And yeah, there's a there was an actual quote that uh, went on that um, I like this. Yeah, that Stephen King had about the film in regards to the ghosts side of it, where where Kubrick called him and was asking like. Oh, maybe I could not lean as much into the the ghost side of things, um, and and go towards him being the villain of, of it, and not and not him being the the and, and not the hotel being as much of it, or lean away from the supernatural side of things, and but then King says get, asks him the question of of like what about hell, <laughs> and then. Kubrick just straight up says to him, I don't believe in hell. And then hangs up. It's just crazy moment. It was just the, cause then the, the director is just not really one that believes as much into the supernatural, making a super supernatural film. And then he's, yeah, which uh, is ironic because he, he nailed it. Yeah. He's focusing on, uh, on the corrupting nature of it. Yeah. But is just trying to figure out like the the person who's making this supernatural film and actually like I'm trying to think of the right words here. Uh, 
has has the hotel being the corrupter of of Jack, whereas instead of just Jack being being the mm-hmm. one that is already yeah, not really good. I think that's uh, that's probably like I think mm-hmm. that's Stephen King's main criticism, like you said, and like I think that's a fair criticism, cons- like considering like yeah, what like he needs Jack to, is like, supposed to be a, a decent person at the beginning. Yeah, like the 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 how drastic it is kind of deal. I I feel yeah, that. like at the beginning of the film, he doesn't seem like a like a like a good person through and through. He just seems like a person that's just going through life. Uh, then. Like if it was for me, I, like I would try to throw in a scene at the beginning or or earlier on where he's actually like trying to be a good father, like maybe even trying to show him in the playground, pushing him, pushing Danny on a swing, yeah. or just trying to do something. And maybe Danny yeah. could be hesitant to be trusting a, of Jack, but it's just the showing a scene of Jack trying yeah. to be a good person at the beginning, like. Yeah, I do. I do agree with that. I do think just like just having the job interview isn't quite enough. Yeah. yeah, like he seems chipper enough in the job interview, and like he really wants to make it work. But yeah, I definitely agree. We could have used a scene or two. Yeah, like that's all it would have needed. Like I like the film itself would have been really good. Like in in this regard, like, but it was just it would have just worked so much better if they had just thrown in a scene of of. Jack just trying to be a good person, and then the rest of it, his de-evolution in the hotel and his isolation with his family, would have worked significantly better. And showcasing the cor- the corruption that the Overlook Hotel has on him. All right, so let's move on to fun facts and trivia. We brought up a few of these during the talk, but there's a few more that I can get out there. Um, Sandy Kubrick is known for challenging himself with different genres, and the horror genre was one that he wanted to do very early on. In the early 70s, though, he was in consideration to direct The Exorcist, actually. Uh, He wanted to make the world's scariest movie involving a series of episodes that would play upon the nightmares and fears of the audience. He was rejected from directing because he wanted to produce the film as well. Um, So according to uh, Stephen King, he wrote an early draft of The Shining screenplay. However, Kubrick didn't deem it worth a glance and didn't even read it at all because he considered Stephen King's writing to be weak. Instead, he worked with Diane Johnson because he was a fan of her book, The Shadow Knows, and the two made the script together. We brought this up earlier. Stephen King was disappointed in Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining. He said in an interview in Playboy magazine, he'd admired Kubrick, admired Kubrick for a long time and had great expectations, but was deeply disappointed in the results. Parts of the films were chilling, charged with relentless claustrophobic terror, but he felt others fell flat. He didn't agree with the casting of Jack Nicholson for the same reason he had just finished One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and felt like he was too crazy to begin with. Um, Kubrick hated to fly. He was not a fan of flying, and he refused to leave England towards the end of his life, so he wasn't actually in attendance for the opening shots and the exterior shots of The Shining. The opening uh, shot was filmed in Glacier National Park in Montana, and they were, where they filmed it from a helicopter, but he was not there for it. 
which it's one of my favorite opening shots in movie history to be honest it's it's great like the the fall the pan or whatever yeah um the iconic sentence all work and no play makes jack a dull boy changes during the uh for different foreign translation of the films at kubrick's request in German, in German versions, the phrase translates to don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. In Spanish, it, it reads, although one will rise early, it won't dawn sooner. In Italian, it says, he who wakes up early meets a golden day. Those are the different versions of that. Um... The uh, the papers, all the papers that were written for All Work, No Play, Makes Jack a Dull Boy, is about 500 pages written. They were all done by Kubrick's secretary by hand on the wow. typewriter. And then she had to redo them all for all five languages that it was translated into. No wonder it's full of typos. Yeah. So what is that, 2,500 pages of writing the same thing over and over in different formats and different things? Uh, to protect Lloyd, the actor who plays Danny... He was five years old when he made the film. They told him he mm -hmm. was filming a drama and not not a horror movie. Um, he didn't see the actual film till he was 16, but said he didn't find it scary because he saw all the behind the scenes. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson is only is responsible for the line that makes it into the AFI top 100 movie quotes. Uh, while filming the bathroom breaking scene, he yells Ed McMahon's line from The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, where Ed McMahon would yell, here's Johnny. Uh, the funny thing about it being on the AFI's top uh, movie quotes or whatever is, is really funny is because Kubrick is notorious for not letting his actors ad lib. Like, and it's almost... Almost every one of AFIs from his films that makes it onto that list are like improvised yeah, lines. Yeah, um, which is interesting because he lets Jack Nicholson play around a decent amount. Actually, um, there's a scene where he is throwing a ball against a wall over and over when he's trying to think. Uh, that was his idea. The script direction was simply Jack is not working, and that's what he chose to do with it. Um, the Guinness Book of World Records has The Shining in it for the most amount of takes with a spoken with spoken dialogue for the scene in which Jack Nicholson chases Shelley Duvall up the stairs with the bat. According to reports, that takes that took 127 takes to get complete. That's crazy. This, however, is often disputed because they say. The rumor is that the scene in which Dick Halloran describes The Shining with to Danny in the kitchen took 148 takes. But for some reason, that's not official. Hmm. Yeah, he is a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. Well, not to mention the blood scene. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's another one. The blood scene, he only had to shoot it three times. However, it took nine days to reset everything and there more time to fix the set and stuff. So overall, that one shot took took an entire year to get. They had to keep doing it. And he just, every time they asked him if they got it right, he said, it just doesn't look hmm. like blood. And that was it. So they had to do it more times. 
Um, and the set got destroyed each time. Each time, yeah. The set got destroyed. They had to rebuild it each time. Yeah. Um, the movie required 900 tons of salt and a bunch of crushed styrofoam to create the snow in the hedge wow. maze outside. So he's not actually running through snow of any kind. It's salt and crushed up styrofoam. Probably that's, would have been easier to just go film during the winter. That sounds more difficult. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Um, Kubrick actually decided to change the ending of the film one after the first weekend it was out in theaters. So people who would have seen it on opening weekend would have gotten a different ending. Uh, the scene takes place after Jack dies in the snow. There's no footage of it that people can find anymore. But it's described as... Uh, the owner of the hotel, the person he interviews with, visits Wendy in the hospital. He tells her, quote, about the things you saw at the hotel. A lieutenant told me they've gone over the place with a fine tooth comb and they didn't find the slightest evidence of anything at all out of the ordinary. He then encourages Wendy and Danny to stay with him for a while. And the film ends with text over black saying the Overlook Hotel would survive this tragedy as it had so many others. It is still open each year from May 20, 20th to September 20th. It is closed for the winter. Roger Ebert would go on to describe this cut as a good decision, stating that it pulled one too many rugs out mm. from under the yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, the world's biggest, this is kind of tying in with the Disney, Disney podcast here. The world's biggest and foremost shining fan website is ran by the director of Toy Story <laughs> 3. Uh, he runs it. It's called the Overlook Hotel. It contains tons of pictures and behind the scenes information about the film. He said he started it purely for selfish reasons because he had so much stuff that he'd been collecting and he needed somewhere to keep it organized. He also helped fund the Room 237 documentary. Uh, his penchant for The Shining is hidden in various Pixar films, including Toy Story 3. Ted's uh, Toy Story. Sid's carpet is similar mm -hmm. to the Overlook Hotel. A garbage truck in the movie that reads the license plate RM237. And as Trixie chats online with a dinosaur toy down the street, the dinosaur toy has the name Velocistar 237. Mm -hmm. I knew about the carpet one because I remember it's us a little bit of a Disney. That, yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, um, for the scene in which Jack Nicholson breaks down the bathroom door, the props department built a door that could be easily broken. However, Jack Nicholson had worked as a, as a volunteer fire marshal in the past and tore it apart way too easy. They mm. then had to go and build a stronger door. That's funny. Yeah. Um, he had to shoot that scene. He broke through 60 doors trying wow. to trying to film that scene. He had to he had to chop through 60 different doors. Um good workout. Yeah. At first, Stanley Kubrick was concerned that the hedge maze was way too easy to solve. So when the crew challenged him, he tried to solve it. On one set morning, he he, he was unable to get out. <laughs> The scene in which Jack chases his son Danny through the hedge maze took a month to shoot, mostly because crew members kept getting lost and had to use their walkie-talkies for help. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yep. Uh, fans of the Shining novel will remember or recognize that the room in the movie is actually 217 as opposed to 237. However, it was changed for the hotel 
where's the hotel? The Timberline Lodge in Oregon, which is where they filmed the exteriors of the hotel. It was changed at request of the hotel because they thought people would never want to book room 217 if they knew that was the room. However, it has since become the most requested room in the hotel. That I would never. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, I don't want to go to the hotel. I don't. Nope. Yeah. Uh, despite not knowing he was creating a horror movie, the actor Lloyd, who played Danny, improvised the finger movements for talking with Tony. Hmm. That was all him, and he created that. And Tony uh, Kubrick loved it, and it became a central part of the movie. Um, well, it, it just goes to show with like the imagination of a of the five year old. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It is very interesting to me to see where Kubrick's humanity comes through because he treats Shelley Duvall terribly. But he yep. takes care of the kid. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, no respect for women, but children. There's and protected. men. He's said to have a great relationship or had a good relationship with Jack Nicholson. I wonder what his relationship so he... with his mother was like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, in order to assume the crazy, angry, and seething demeanor of Jack Torrance... Jack Nicholson prepared for the role by eating nothing but cheese sandwiches for two weeks leading up to filming because he absolutely hates cheese sandwiches. Hmm. That's an interesting way to get into method acting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then finally, uh, during the end of, towards the end of the shooting, a huge fire broke out on set in the soundstage and uh, destroying several key pieces that had to be rebuilt. There is an iconic picture of Stanley Kubrick looking at the burned down set and laughing. And it's thought that this is because the book ends with the Overlook Hotel being burned down. And he just found mm-hmm. the irony mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. All right. That is it for fun facts. I have a few conspiracy theories that people think the movie has about or um, whatever. Uh, the first one is that it's all a metaphor for a mind control program. Uh, they think that it is, uh, based on, it's based on like barely any evidence, but the theory is that there's a skiing poster that appears alongside the Grady twins, uh, displaying the word monarch in large letters. This word supposedly refers to a code name for the CIA behavioral engineering program, MK ultra using sleep deprivation and LSD to try to understand mind control. This real life, illegal human experimentation program could certainly provide a reason for Jackson's sanity. Hmm. Bit of a reach. <laughs> um, another famous fan theory is that it is an, uh, Stanley Kubrick's apology film for faking the moon landing. <laughs> Given that the moon landings were fake, uh, whatever it expects you to stretch your imagination uh, the evidence for this is that Danny Torrance wears a knitted Apollo sweater next to the carpet of the Overlook Hotel, and the carpet uh, the carpet design mimics the layout of a NASA launch pad. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one is that it's a commentary for the Native American genocide. Uh, explored in the celebrating documentary centered around Kubrick's horror, Room 237. Uh, it analyzes every possible clue in the movie, leaving no stone unturned. 
One of the theories is that it is possibly about the Native American genocide. The reference to a Native American peace pipe, along with the scene in which a tsunami of blood exits the elevator of the Overlook Hotel, points toward a commentary on the brutal genocide of millions of natives. Again, kind of a reach. I like how all of these conspiracy theories have, like, barely any evidence, but they're like, there's this picture. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't uh, um, yeah. the hotel boss guy say it's like... It is, yeah, it think... is. It's built on a native uh, burial ground. Like, he, he yeah. does say it. So, like, I guess there's more more evidence than what this has, but... Um, this one is that it is about the Holocaust. Uh... So when Kubrick was at the top of his game, he was working on a World War II movie about the Holocaust adapted by Lewis Begley's semi-autographical wartime novel, Wartime Lies, named Aryan Papers. Uh, unfortunately, due to several reasons, the project and the project giving him deep depression, he never made it. Many believe that The Shining was Kubrick's way of talking about the Holocaust without actually making a movie about it. <laughs> Several references to the number 42, a supposed reference to the final solution, support this theory, as well as the fact that Jack's typewriter is German. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Again, kind of a reach. Uh, and then the last one I have here is that it is the uh, it tells the story of the Minotaur. Uh, the Shining tells the story of the Minotaur. The Greek myth of the Minotaur follows Theseus, a mythical king who ventures into the beast's labyrinth to destroy him. Bears several comparisons to Kubrick tales that sees Danny Torrance entering the perplexing Overlook Hotel to destroy the madness of his father. Not only does the finale of the film take place in a large hedge maze in the grounds of the hotel, but the architectural space of the self make no sense at all like it is in a labyrinth. Hmm. So, again. That's a bit better. bit better, but still. A lot of theories on, uh, on The Shining. A lot of weird ones. You should check yeah. out Room 237. They go into a lot of them a lot more. Um, but yeah, that's that. Uh, let's finish up with our closing questions. Um, we'll start with favorite moment. And we'll start with Zach. Uh, my favorite moment, I would definitely have to say, would be uh, Danny actually backtracking and being like super smart and 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 getting rid of his getting rid of his tail essentially mm -hmm. it's just like holy crap that is smart how did the five-year-old think of this i don't care it's awesome <laughs> yeah it is pretty smart uh <laughs> sarah i don't really have a favorite moment because i don't really like this movie <laughs> but <laughs> i would say just the hotel itself because i think it's a really cool hotel like the way it looks i don't like the things about the hotel like the hauntedness and all that just the building yeah. itself i think it's a really really cool hotel i would never go there because uh, i would be very uneasy the whole time but yeah i think it's a cool building so nice uh my favorite moment from the movie is the moment where he's chasing her up the stairs with and she's swinging the bat at him looking back on it 127 takes and you know he wasn't nice to her between each one it's kind of kind of rough when you think about it but i think that's just like the mm -hmm. most tense in, like intense part of the movie hmm. um mm -hmm. i really like it i think it's crazy it's a good scene uh let's go into least favorite moment sarah the decaying old lady mm. 
I could have gone without seeing that. Fair. Yeah. Zach? Kind of the same thing, but I also, even the part beforehead, before it is just, it's so gratuitous. Yeah. Um, I am going to make gratuitous. That, yeah. I'm going to make that a clean sweep. That is also my least favorite part of the movie. Um, I don't think the nudity itself is gratuitous. I just think it's gross. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole scene is just gross. And then mm-hmm. I got to like be like, he's kissing a corpse. And then you got to like, in your head, you start thinking about what that'd be like. And it's just like, ugh, nope. Um, <laughs> so, so that's a clean sweep on least favorite moment. What about scariest moment? Let's start with Zach. Um, I guess it was thinking that she was actually going to die. And some part of my brain was still still thinking that like she like he got like the Danny got out of the room and she was still in there. I was just like, okay, well, then she's just gonna be stuck in there, you know, like slasher rules. Like, Fair. So that's the scariest moment for me. Like I wasn't really scared a lot because I knew a fair bit of this. Like I had seen the the Simpsons version of this, which was the Shinnin. Yeah, the Shinnin. Which is hilarious, but it's just, it gives away everything. Yeah. And it's just, but it's a great, par- like, great parody. You know, uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror is just, just awesome. It was a good parody. Uh, Sarah, scariest moment. Same as my least favorite. Because, like, I, I did know everything that was going to happen, but I didn't have any memory of reading about that. Um just didn't like it i don't like looking at stuff like that but the rest of it like it just didn't scare me because i knew what was gonna happen yeah that's fair um my scariest moment is when jack is talking to delbert grady in the bathroom because mm. i think it's just it's such a calm conversation right but he's convincing him to kill his family yeah and that's true. just the way he says like my daughters did this and i corrected them and my wife had an issue, so I corrected her as well. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. think that's just like an intensely terrifying moment of the film. Yeah, um, he's that, very, just never very good right. at making you feel uneasy just looking at him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. So that's that. Um, so yeah, last question: Would you recommend this film to non-horror fans, Zach? I would if they wanted to kind of up their film pedigree. Okay. I guess. Um, and just make sure that they know what they're getting into. In fact, if they really are don't like horror films, I would tell them to watch The Simpsons version and then watch The, the Shining. <laughs> just Fair. Because then uh, most of it is is done afterwards yeah my sister told me to watch that but i don't like the simpsons so i probably won't (laughs) that's fair uh sarah would you recommend it to a non-horror fan not if they are a non-horror fan like me Mm. um so for me like the like i've said already i didn't get scared during the movie but yeah i spent a few hours after in this state of unease that makes my anxiety really high which I don't enjoy that feeling. And yeah, even tonight, just sitting and talking about it, I've been sitting here very anxious, especially because my husband is not home. 
and my house makes a lot of noises because we live in a townhouse so i can hear people walking next door so like i've i'm uncomfortable i'm very uneasy i've changed the rest of my plans for the evening because i was gonna go downstairs after this and do something not going downstairs staying upstairs till tyler gets home like i (laughs) i don't enjoy that feeling um i'll be fine obviously (laughs) but yeah it's just if a a non-horror fan is like me and gets uneasy and has anxiety over it that they don't enjoy because i know the appeal is that people like to be scared it's like an adrenaline rush I don't get yeah. the adrenaline rush. Um, so I would not if they were a non-horror fan like me. If it was just that they don't like it because it's just like, well, whatever. It's not They're not into it, but they're not scared. Then sure. Because yeah. it's a classic movie. But depends on what kind of non-horror film fan they are. Fair. Um, I'm the kind of person that would recommend The Exorcist to a non-horror film so or a non-horror fan. So... I would definitely recommend The Shining to literally anybody, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. You will not get uh, me to watch that. <laughs> well, doing it next year, Sarah. No, I will not agree yeah. to that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Sarah, fair. we'll 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 send you a, a DVD of it so you can put it in the freezer. Nope. In the freezer. Nope. I'm not bringing that movie into my house. <laughs> I, I mean, no, I mean The Shining. Oh, The Shining. Well, you have to send yeah. me the book. I'm making fun of Joey. Yeah, yeah, it's the book he puts in the freezer, not the movie. Yeah, I know. And he doesn't put The Shining in the freezer. He puts Little Women in the freezer. Oh, he puts The Shining in first. That's how this conference, the whole episode starts. Oh, right, 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 right. He puts that in the freezer, and then he... Okay, never mind. I'm getting Wasn't mine. it Cujo? No, Cujo's the movie no. that Rachel watches. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not but that well in friends. He's got it in the freezer, and they're like, why? And he's like, because I was scared. And they're like, hey, read Little Women. And then when Beth dies, they say, do you want to go put it in the freezer? Which is <laughs> an incredibly sad, sad thing. Little Women is so good, but so sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's give final thoughts and a letter grade. We'll start with Sarah. Um, I would give it a C probably because I can understand, I understand that it's very famous and people really like it. Even without the horror aspect, I just didn't think it was a good movie. I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of boring otherwise. Um, and I didn't think all of the acting was that great either. Like, I don't know, not really into it, but I can appreciate it, I guess. So I'd put it right in the middle But final thoughts, I'm never watching it again. (laughs) That makes sense. Zach? I'll give this a solid B for me. Hmm. Um, The score was very in your face. Yeah. Yeah. For a good amount of the movie. Like, it was. I I find horror movie scores are very strong. Like, they're very, Mm -hmm. very at you. I said to my sister at the yeah. beginning, because I knew about the whole thing about, like, Jack Nicholson's the wrong guy because he already seems crazy. I was like, if yeah. even without that, like, if they're trying to convince you that everything's fine at the start of this, the movie right off the bat already tells you something's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a very menacing score. Yes. Yeah. And then, like, I kind of agree with you on the, that per- performances-wise. Well... Shelly is great. Oh, oh, like, yeah, her performance is great. Like, she's 
very anxious and stuff, but yeah. Jack, he's doing a lot of Jack. Yeah, he's very Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, because like, I feel the opposite way. I think his performance was good, and hers wasn't. <laughs> yeah, like, well, and her eyes were so wide all the time, and it's yeah. just like, and I can, <laughs> like, it's just like, I have big eyes. Uh, they were, my eyes are not that big. Mm-hmm. Like, although they may have gotten close when you realize that your computer was restarting and we're losing all our (laughs) recording. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. You went pretty wide there. That's (laughs) because it was a big. (laughs) Yeah, especially so far in. At least the first Alice one, where you're only like half an hour in. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, like themes and stuff. Like I get, I definitely put. Shining up at a B because like theming and and character devolution and and the menacing nature of the hotel itself is pretty crazy. Yeah, that makes sense. I uh, I give it an A. It's it is my second favorite horror film, like right behind The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure if that's exclusively because of the quality of the film. It's probably a large part just because it's, like, one that my mom, we, we used to watch together. Mm-hmm. And, like, I learned to love it from a young age. Because I do agree that the acting is kind of subpar. I'm a little more with Sarah than I am with Zach in the fact that I think Jack does good and mm-hmm. Shelley Duvall not so much. But I'm also, I, I think they both do fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the kid that plays Danny is not a very good actor, but what can you, what can you say? Um, he did creepy kid voice very well. He did he did do creepy kid voice pretty well, which is yeah. The fun red rum part is pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I I enjoy the performances. I enjoy the the ghosts and stuff. I think I do still feel uneasy when I watch it sometimes, which is kind of difficult for me to get nowadays. Um, Because I don't... I find with horror movies now, like, I've seen so many and so bad or, like, quality-wise, like, so scary that, like, I don't really feel that level of unease when I watch horror movies anymore. They're almost calming in a way, even. Um, So I think, like, the measure of a good horror movie for me is if I still feel that. Um, which is like in why I'm like, I think I'm in the minority. There's a film called it follows that I'm a huge fan of because I felt uneasy the entire movie, but most people don't really like it because it's Mm. kind of boring. Um, so I think, I think I give it, have you seen the, the Dr. Sleep? Yes, I have seen Dr. Sleep and the actor that plays Danny, even though he never does another movie after the shining, he has a cameo in Dr. Sleep. Oh really? Yep. He did a well. He did a TV movie, but wasn't a big deal, and that was it. But he didn't do anything else until yeah, he has a cameo in Doctor Sleep, hmm. which is a sequel to The Shining. I know. Yeah, it is. It is yeah, yep. it's. I really liked it. A lot of people also didn't. I don't think. Like, I don't think it did very well in the box office or anything like that. But I I thought it was really good. They do they have the actor who plays Jack Nicholson, which is kind of weird because he like plays young Jack Nicholson, even though it's not Jack Nicholson. But that almost kind of led into the creepiness because he didn't look quite the same. Right. Mm. Um, 
No, I, I liked it. I think I think overall The Shining gets an A. I would give an A plus to The Exorcist, and I don't like. I think The Shining's just kind of below that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, it's just it's one of the best movies. I'm also like it. It doesn't hurt to point out that I'm I'm a Kubrick fan. He's the reason I got into filmmaking. I I kind of model all of my filmmaking after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like my film hero kind of deal. So it's hard for me to say a bad thing about a Kubrick film. Right. Um, but that's not entirely the reason. I, I, I give it an A for a lot of reasons, but I will admit it's false. <laughs> All right. So that is the uh, that was the birthday special. Minus one cutout from Zach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Sarah, how about you tell them where they can find us? You can find us on Instagram at makingadisneyfan.pod where you can comment and like and share and dm and all those things and listen to us on apple podcasts and spotify and review and rate and all that too all right well for making a disney fan podcast i have been brandon until next time america here's zaki (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sarah just keep shitting (laughs) (laughs) all of our artwork is created by becca riley you can go find her on instagram at becca riley art spelled b-e-c-c-a-r-e-i-l-l-y art our theme song was written and performed by marcus beverage you can listen to more of his music on instagram at marcus.and.sarah.music performing alongside me your favorite making a disney fan lady you'll come back for our next episode soon you finally got one without me saying ttfn (laughs) thank you for listening to making a disney fan we hope to see you next time good night and have a pleasant tomorrow